Welcome to Behind the Scenes with Brian, the podcast covering everything from engineering, mining, and mine waste management to whatever else may be on our minds. Pop in your headphones and don't forget to rate, subscribe, and share. And now, here is your host, Brian Ulrich. Hey everyone, this is Brian, and this is Behind the Scenes with Brian, and today I'm joined by uh, Tailings Geotechnical Engineer, Nick Kent. Nick, how are you today? I'm good, Brian. Nice to talk to you. Yeah, yeah, same here. And Nick, where are you uh, physically right now? So I'm physically in Brisbane, um, Australia, in Queensland. So I, um, I've sort of always been based around Brisbane, and yeah, so yeah, bright well, and early in the morning here. Yeah, <laughs> one of the garden spots of the world, uh, in my eyes, anyway. I've always, always enjoyed my uh, trips and my time there, and we're recording this during the pandemic and uh, hopefully you're holding up okay during the pandemic yeah um we've been we've been really lucky over here um it's um it's funny in australia the virus has been not quite eliminated i mean there's flare-ups every now and then but um life's going on um fairly normally um aside from not being able to travel overseas so yeah we're in a we're in a pretty lucky spot over here yeah yeah and plus you understand science which helps (laughs) yeah 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 there's a bit of good luck too i think yeah yeah for sure for sure you have to be blessed by some forces of nature to be able to come through well it helps when you're on an island yeah yeah (laughs) right 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 Nick, you wrote a paper and gave a presentation at Tailings and Mine Waste on uh, upset conditions for filtered tailings. But I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your your background and your education. Maybe you could fill us in there. Yep, sure. So I'm uh, I'm a civil engineer. I, I call myself a civil engineer rather than a, a geotech or a, an anything like that. Um, I'm probably more more on the water side of um, civil engineering, though I, I do work in tailings, but pro- probably more on the water side of things. Um, and also do a little bit of geotech here and there, but that can be a bit dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, so I've, I've got about five years experience and I um, did my undergraduate um, work at the University of Queensland um, here in Brisbane. Um, I did a did two degrees um also did an economics degree um there as well as well as a civil engineering degree um not something that i've used a lot professionally but something that interested me um so yeah and i've also um recently completed uh last year a master's of engineering um at the university of british columbia in vancouver so yeah, I guess when when um, COVID and the pandemic hit, I was I was over in Vancouver and sort of came home for the last couple of months of my well, last month really of my master's course and finished it off and yeah started started working back in Brisbane again. Oh, excellent, excellent. Uh, one of the really noted tailings people is at the University of Queensland, uh, David Williams. Yes. Yep. 
Yeah, yeah, no, I've had had a little bit of exposure to David um, here and there, um, both yeah, in in my undergraduate degree and yeah, uh, after that sort yeah. of around the yeah, really, awesome. yeah, a really practical guy. I, I, yeah. I, th I think the world of, of uh, David. So, you, uh, what was your career like coming out of university? So, I guess straight out of university, I, I, um, I went basically straight into the mining industry, um, and I guess the consulting side of things. So, I've, I've always worked as a consultant engineer. I've worked for um, two companies now, um, but yeah, I mean, my choice to go into the mining industry um, wasn't deliberate or anything. It's sort of just where I landed. Um, yeah, yeah. But it's um, look, it's something I really enjoy and and something that I, I guess I'm I'm glad you know life turned out that way. I, I yeah. quite enjoy enjoy what I do and yeah. Yeah, yeah. The the challenges are almost endless in uh, geotechnical mining um settings that that's right and you know a lot of the projects that you do are, are really interesting projects and, and it's not the sort of thing you necessarily hear about or are aware of and, unless you're in the industry so yeah there's there's a lot of cool things um you get to work on yeah well i, I should have probably not shortcutted the conversation so being from Brisbane, you must have found Vancouver to be a pretty livable place. Yeah, yeah. No, I um, really enjoyed my time in Vancouver. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was over there for about eight months. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, in, in some respects, it's uh, similar to Brisbane. In, in others, it's not. I guess in terms of size of city, it's, it's you know, ballpark similar climate it's definitely not similar there um <laughs> but yeah no that that was yeah it was good fun yeah and yeah. ubc in some respects is uh, i guess a little bit similar to the university of queensland in terms of like age and, and size and i guess areas of focus i mean both vancouver and brisbane seem to have you know a solid um mining industry influence um, mm -hmm. Yeah. consulting um, to do with the mining industry and you know the, the university work on um, mining problems is you know, definitely there at both UBC and UQ so yep yeah. yep yep so uh, you work uh, who do you work for now so I work for Klein Krippenberger uh -huh. um, so we're a um, we're I guess a medium um, size consultancy um, we work in Australia, our um, business is basically almost exclusively focused on the mining industry. So mm -hmm. um, we have um, civil geotechnical water um, engineers and hydrogeologists, geochemists, and um, a, a lot of the work we do is around tailings um, and, and just mine infrastructure and, and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And what do you do in particular for the company? So I'm, I, I guess I sit in the surface water um, team. So <laughs> I, um, I, I, since I've been at KCB, I've sort of, sort of split my time, sort of worked on tailings projects a lot. Um, mm -hmm. 
and have also worked on some some other sort of mine infrastructure type projects so um like hydraulic structures in rivers drop structures yeah. stuff like that yeah um you know surface water diversions um yeah so a bit, bit of a mix of, of different stuff which i which i really enjoy okay and uh, we're going to talk about your paper in a little bit but how did you get involved with filtered tailings so i i guess right for, I've, I've sort of been involved with um i've worked on a couple of filtered tailings projects now and i i guess almost straight out of university i got the opportunity to work on a um a filtered tailings project in new caledonia is sort of sort of really my first i guess major project um so on that i did a lot of uh, i guess the um, feasibility stage, um, surface water drainage work around the filter plant um, on the stack, um, and you know just just a lot of just other just general engineering around the project. So that was a really good experience. And look, before before I got onto the, that project, I didn't, didn't have much of a clue about filtered tailings or yeah, yeah. Or, or, or tailings really in general. Um, so. Look, that was that was a really good eye opener and uh, a, a nice project to work on. And uh, then after I moved across to KCB, I, I spent about oh, best part of eighteen months um, working on a filtered tailings project, um, well, a planned filtered tailings project in uh, in Queensland, um, in central Queensland. So a lot <laughs> of I guess the challenges I saw on on my first project were sort of, you know, came up again and, you know, you start seeing parallels and, and, and I guess thinking about things that I guess led to the paper. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so the, the title of the paper is filtered tailings facility and upset conditions. And that's something that a lot of people, uh, unfamiliar with filtered tailings, don't approach that with a lot of common sense well not not maybe common sense but experience-based uh in, information and, and practices so a, a, a lot of people seem to think filtered tailings is a panacea that it's a cure-all um that it's it's called a dry stack so it's you know yep. you can imagine a waste rock pile being a dry stack yeah uh, it's, it's pretty much a misnomer to call it a dry stack because they really aren't dry although they're drier than they're drier than slurry tailings yes but but they're not they're not dry at all so how uh what led to the development of even the notion for this paper so yeah i i guess Kind kind of along the lines of what you said. I mean, filter tailings. You know, you, you start off with this idea. You know, that you're going to do it. But as I guess you you work through, I guess the business case to do it. You, you know, some of the challenges start coming up. And I, I guess as you sort of move deeper into the design, as as you say, there there are issues. Um, and it filter tailings that they're, they're certainly not dry often 
you know, it, it depends on the tailings, but some of the finer materials that I've, um, I've dealt with are, are certainly quite wet um, when they go on the stack. And it, it really is something that you've got to think about. Um, you know, the challenges are definitely not insurmountable. Um, you know, there's a number of sites um, that, I, uh, that we talk about in the paper um, where filtered tailings have been success successfully implemented um, and in a range of different climates. So, you know, it, it, it's not, none of the challenges are insurmountable, but there are things, it, it is a more complex operationally um, deposition method. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you go through several different types of upset conditions, uh, anywhere from uh, prolonged precipitation events to uh, plant uh, changes in the plant or, or stoppages in the plant, and, and there's, there's quite a few different types of upset conditions that you ought to plan a around. That, yeah, that, that's right. I mean, a, a lot of facilities um, operation of um, or continuous operation of the tailings um, storage facility, whether that's a dry stack or a more conventional um, slurry tailings facility, um, continuous operation of that facility um, is necessary um, for continuous mining or continuous operation of the plant. So when these upset conditions occur, um, it, it, it is really important to have some contingencies in place. And when you actually go through the case histories um, and, and papers that have been published talking about sites where filtered tailings have been implemented, um, it's, it's, it's pretty clear that sites implement a range of different contingencies. And I, I guess that was what we were trying to catalogue um, in the paper, so we we have I guess three we we think of upsets in in terms of I guess three different types of upsets. So mechanical upsets, um, we there we're we're I guess talking about I guess uh, an, a failure in the plant um, leading to you know an inability to process. Um, filtered tailings and then we go to process up upsets which I guess is the inability of the plant to dewater tailings to spec and and then I guess weather uh, or prolonged precipitation um, type upsets where on stack trafficability um, becomes a big issue and actually getting on the stack and, and placing the tailings um, is prohibited basically or, or, or difficult. Um, yeah. So, so that's that's I guess sort of the lens we uh, I, I guess the angle we're coming from um, with upsets and then yeah we sort of move through and and talk about some different options um, for managing them. Yeah, yeah. Why, why don't you just pick one of those upset types and just kind of walk us through uh, the the process and maybe some of the things you can do in advance to plan for that. Sure. Sure. So I, I guess the focus of the paper is probably more around the weather, prolonged precipitation type yeah. upsets. So I, I'll probably probably focus on that. So I mean, depending on the climate, there's the, so what 
what contingencies a site chooses to adopt really depends on the site itself, uh, where it's located in the world, um, the type of tailings, um, the volume of tailings um, going going through that's that are being placed within a year. So um, there there are a lot of different factors to consider. Um, so I, I guess an example um, site would be, I, I guess, a, a conventional type mindset site um, where you know you, you have you have space and you have room to maybe stockpile um, tailings um, when there is wet weather. So I mean, stock, stockpiling is, I mean, most sites from what I've um, seen and and read. Um, that use filtered tailings tend to, I guess, employ some form of stockpiling and, and that stockpiling can either be um, in a covered shed. So in, in really wet environments, um, it, it can certainly be worthwhile having, you know, two to three days, maybe up to a week, um, week's worth of storage, uh, covered storage. Um, so what that allows a site to do is, um, if, if there are is prolonged wet weather, um, the site can stockpile the tailings um, in that covered storage, um, which prevents it, I guess, from wetting up and you know getting having a moisture content higher than uh, the specification, which which can cause issues if if you do place um, over wet tailings. Um, yeah, yeah. Another option, um, which which can be used on drier sites and can be used, I guess, in conjunction with a covered um, stockpile. This is a you know a, a, just a general stockpile, which can either be next to the stack or you know, anywhere. Um, so stockpiles are are a, are a good option and often quite a cost-effective option. Um, the only challenge with stockpiles is I guess you have to, once the weather clears up and you can get on the stack, you, you have to have some ability to surge um, your placement rates. So, you know, you need more plant. Um, so yeah, that that's, I guess, something to think about too. You, you've got to you know, be able to diminish the stockpile while maintaining um, the rate of production. Right, right. So I guess that's uh, temporary stockpiles are, I guess, a, a common option. Uh, another option for dealing with wet weather um, can be the use of um, a conventional tailings storage facility. So, I mean, it, it may, a lot of sites that look to implement filtered tailings or ones that I've worked on, um, they're not necessarily greenfield mine sites, they're sites that have a conventional tailing storage facility and often it, it can be beneficial to make use of that facility um, as an upset management contingency. So um, it's, I, I guess, having an alternate slurry tailing, tailings dam uh, as a placement facility um, is a really robust um, form of contingency because you, know, you can just put it in the dam and, and leave it there, pro provided you have um, you know storage capacity. Um, 
Obviously, that option isn't necessarily available to all sites and wouldn't be available um, to new sites, um, but it, it can be an option. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I always like to see if there's a possibility of using a wet season and dry season zones within the filtered tailings facility. That, the, that's the... right. Yeah. So I, I guess that's probably that that type of i guess on stack management option um like you said zonation of material um that seems to be a really commonly implemented um wet weather contingency um so yeah, yeah ha having that outer structural zone of, of really good material that the, meets the spec and and then an inner zone so yeah that i guess that's another option too and Another option for, I guess, drying tailings um, that may, you know, be wetted up is on-stack air drying. So, um, farming or using some sort of display out to right, uh, right. turn the tailings over. Um, that that is all can be a good option, uh, and and that kind of option can also help. Um, when you may have a really fine material um, that doesn't filter. Um, brilliantly um, that might be you know might come out of the filter plant well above optimum moisture content um, some on stack air drying can can really help with that as well yeah yeah and that option more or less goes away if you're using something like a radial arm stacker and, and putting yep. the material out in say 10 meter lifts so yes. with yes. with the vehicular haulage truck haulage it's it's a lot easier to accomplish something like that where you're putting it down in thinner layers that you can both traffic on top of but also rework to drive help drive off some of that moisture exactly yeah no there's there's certainly no one size fits all um type yeah. contingency so yeah you, you kind of need I guess what we were trying to document here in the paper is, I guess, a bit of a list of, of different options which might be available because yeah. it, it was the type of thing that, um, well, I certainly noticed, you know, it, it was a challenge um, in the design phase, you know, well, how, how are we going to deal with this? So, yep. yeah, that's that's what we were trying to do. Yeah, yeah, and, and speaking of a radial arm stacker, that's another opportunity for a mechanical upset condition. When you, right. when, yeah. when, when, you, when you relocate the radial arm stacker. So yeah. Yeah, the, the, the more moving parts you have, the more uh, areas you could have mechanical uh, upsets. Exactly. And yeah. I, I guess, you know, th those type radial arm stackers uh, are often are often only cost effective sort of, you know, once you get over, I guess, the you know, 10,000 tons per day. Um, yeah mark so yeah the decision on that that can also be quite a big decision for mm -hmm. in the planning stage how you are going to place the tailings which i guess then influences you know your upset management um contingencies as well right right hmm. okay yeah so nick what uh, what are the key takeaways from your your paper um, for me, I, I think the key takeaways, um, it, it's 
I mean, it's a relatively simple one. I, I think it's it's probably what we touched on at the start that, like you said, I mean, filter tailings is often seen as a, as a bit of a panacea and a solution to all our problems. And yeah. look, it, 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 it is a good option for a lot of sites and it is probably going to be a technology that's going to become a lot more common. But I, I guess the key takeaway for us was really that there are some additional challenges um, operationally. Um, it, it's, it's, you know, the, the, and some of the challenges that I guess are unique to filtered tailings. Um, and, and those challenges, I guess, really just need to be thought about um, in the design phase. Um, so yeah, that I, that's, I guess, the key takeaway, just highlighting some of these things that just need to be thought about um, in the design process. Yeah, exactly. And, and most of these upsets shouldn't be unforeseen situations. That's right. Yeah. I mean, a, lo a lot of it, it doesn't, you don't need, you know, much sort of complex type analysis or modeling to be able to work out that, you know, some of these upsets are a possibility. Um, yeah. And, and certainly dealing with them um, doesn't have to be and expensive or anything you know complex type modeling process to work out how you're going to deal with them it, it's really just um, finding it working out what works with your tailings the site um, and and just you know having a few different options for when things go wrong because you know inevitably they will um, yeah you do need yeah. some form of redundancy um, <laughs> right. in the design so yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that, that that's great, and uh, no, I think we've covered a lot of information today, and I'm really glad that papers like this get put out there because it we we do need to look ahead and foresee this kind of thing so that we can do a better service for our clients, and and they'll be much happier during the operation. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. De definitely. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, Nick, do you have any uh, words of wisdom or, or anything like that that you could leave us with? Oh, uh, no, nothing, uh, nothing that really comes to mind, Brian. Um, yeah. No, that's um, uh, that's, I, yeah. No, I'm I'm not a not a huge one for sort of canned wisdom. So. <laughs> well, there there was a lot of wisdom shared during the conversation, and one of the reasons I have the podcast is to make me a little bit smarter. And each one of the podcasts, I I do get just a little bit smarter and so i appreciate that that's good brian i, I think yeah. what you're doing is a, a really interesting um really interesting endeavor so and yeah well hopefully well hopefully it does um you know these conversations are good to have and yeah yeah well with that nick i will let you get on with your day because i know your day is just starting out there and you've got uh, probably a full day ahead of you so I'll, I'll let you go but i really appreciate you coming on here thanks brian nice to talk to you you too and uh, in, enjoy that uh summery weather that you're having i will i i have been and i plan to continue on doing so <laughs> all right thanks again nick thanks brian mm.
Well, that's it. I'm Brian, and this is Behind the Scenes with Brian. Until next time, keep on rockin'.